Let me go ahead and start with the word of prayer. And as we turn to the scriptures, to Acts chapter 1, that's what I'm going to be. So let me turn to the passage there for a few minutes, in a second. And, okay. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are God. Thank you that you are holy, holy, holy. And Lord, I thank you that uh, you reign over the affairs of the universe, Lord God. And that you give us peace. Your peace you left with us, Lord God. And Lord, we pray this morning that as we get into your word, that you will strengthen, encourage us. Uh, even, Lord, if we need to be exhorted a little bit, that, we will, that you will do that also through your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Lord of the Lord does stand forever. Amen. Have you... Ever anticipated something and get excited? You know, I do. I mean, for the last three weeks, I have, you know, today after church, right, I'm going to family camp. Uh, my wife and some of the grandchildren are there. And we have been anticipating that. You know, my, Jeremy's anticipating. Aurora's anticipating. My whole family is anticipating going to camp. We're really looking forward to going to camp. Now, what happens if all of a sudden something happens and I cannot go to camp? Man, I will get down. Well, then I will be so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So disappointed. Yeah. And uh, we see a little bit of that, the disappointment and encouragement later on, right? But disappointment. Uh, in the New Testament, in a way, in thinking about the kingdom, right? When, and let me say, the kingdom is prominent in the teaching of the New Testament, in particular in, in the gospel, right? And when the angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she will con be, con be uh, conceiving by the Holy Spirit, Gabriel said to her, and he, re referring to the child, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. So here is the first announcement of the kingdom, right? The king, announcing the king and of his kingdom. Then John the Baptist comes along and he's preaching about the kingdom. He says, repent for the kingdom uh, of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, just a little bit after John comes up preaching the kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ comes into the scene, and what does he do? He preaches the kingdom, right? And he goes on to say, repent, the same message, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The gospel of Matthew is the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ, who is the rightful heir to the throne. And it's no surprise that in the gospel of Matthew is where we find the most references about the kingdom of God. The apostles, after Jesus chose the apostles, he commanded them to go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And so the preaching of the kingdom, both by Jesus and the apostles, also was accompanied by kingdom signs. The healing of the sick, the cleansing of the lepers, the raising of people from the dead, the casting out of demons. So with all of this taking place, 
the anticipation of the kingdom is high. It's very high. People are looking forward to the kingdom to come. Okay? And, and the, the, the crowds are following Jesus. His preaching on the kingdom are growing. So there is an excitement at this time in the land of Israel. There is an excitement in Jerusalem, Galilee, because the kingdom is being announced. They are seeing the miracles of the kingdom. The apostles were keyed up about it. They were all about the kingdom. They start thinking about the kingdom. They get getting preoccupied with the idea of the kingdom. So much so that both Luke and Mark record that there was a dispute among the disciples because they were thinking about the kingdom. But what did they want to know? Who is the greatest? So the idea of the kingdom is just taking over their minds now. And they're thinking, who's going to be the greatest? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be you? And, and, you know, I'm not sure. I wasn't there. But it's interesting that the scripture says, uses the word dispute. So maybe they were a little bit passionate here, right? They continue to argue. They continue to get involved. And just, you know, it's going to be me. Who's going to be? I mean, I mean who are you? Well, I'm, I'm Peter. I should be, you know, the greatest. We don't know what's going on. But we, what we do know is that there is this dispute about the disciples, about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. So they're thinking about the kingdom. Right? So the Lord corrects them. A little bit later, even after the Lord corrected them, and, uh, and he reminded them that he needed to go back to Jerusalem, where the religious leaders were going to persecute him, and eventually crucify him, what happens? Well, John and James come to Jesus. They are brought by their mother. And their mother says to Jesus, well, command that these two sons of mine, one will sit on your right and one will sit on your left. Isn't that interesting, right? Jesus just finished speaking about his suffering and his crucifixion. And like Jim says, you know, come the two mama's boys. <laughs> and they say, you know, uh, commend that they will see one of either side of, of you in the kingdom. You know? What I found interesting, though, that uh, John and, and James' mom, at least they recognize that Jesus had the authority to decide that. Right? Uh, they knew, or she knew that he was the one who had the authority to do that. But she's kind of demanding to Jesus, right? There is this anticipation of the kingdom. They want to know who is going to be the greatest. They want to know what role they're going to have. They're going to know who wants to sit on the place of honor. And we see that the rest of the apostles kind of got upset at John and James, you know. I think that they got upset because they didn't think of that first. <laughs> I said, man, why didn't I do that? <laughs> well, the Lord dismissed that, right? The Lord dismissed that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, later on, we find out that the, uh, the kingdom uh, had been postponed. And yet, their minds, they were still thinking about the kingdom. 
But all the hope of the kingdom kind of came crashing down. When did that happen? Well, at the crucifixion, right? How can you have a kingdom when your king uh, is in a grave? This is not going to happen, right? So they lose hope of this coming kingdom, of things that are happening, right? And we see that reflected a little bit uh, in Luke, records that in Luke 24, when the disciples are on the way to Emmaus, Emmaus, on the road there, uh, they, these two disciples are talking, these two followers of Jesus are talking, and the Lord joins the conversation. He walks along with them, and in that conversation, one of them says, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping. We are no longer hoping, but we were. Why, we are, why were they no longer hoping? Well, their king had been crucified. So all the hopes of the kingdom are gone at this time. Temporarily. Okay. Because then we find out that the gospel of Luke ends... With the Lord appearing to the disciples. He resurrects. He appears to the disciples. He was read. He spent 40 days with them. And giving evidence that he was the one who was crucified. Clarifying for them. And giving them the great commission. And lastly, he ascended. But in Luke 24. Let me read a few verses here. Says what it says. Then he said to them. Thus it is written. And thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, and that you are witness of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from high. And then verse 7 said, uh, uh, And... He led them to Bethany and lifted them up his sins and blessed them. Now it came to pass that while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem and were continuing in the, in the temple praising God. Right? So he's resurrected. Now there is, a, there is a hope of the kingdom again. right? Because, hey, if this man rose from the dead, who's going to stop him now? Okay? We are going straight into the kingdom. The whole hope is now renewed. And in Acts 1, 1 through 11, what we see is a little bit of the same conversation. Keep in mind, Acts and the Gospel of Luke are written by the same person, right? And so Acts follows is the chapter 2 <laughs> of the same story. Okay. So in Acts chapter 1 begins a little bit with the recapitulation of the last events in Luke, at the end of, chapter, of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, and it clarifies a little things. And so that's what we see. And we see that their hopes, as it was raised for us, they're kind of renewed in that conversation. We hear in Acts, we're giving a little bit more detail. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, To whom the apostle, uh, he also presented himself alive, chapter uh, 1, verse 3. He presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days. So the Lord resurrects. He shows them who he is, and he gives them all kinds of proof so that they can be certain that he is the same one that was crucified, right? 
And so that's that. And then, and being with them for 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. Okay. They thought that their hopes of the kingdom were gone. And now, their hopes are alive again. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, again, is bringing up the theme of the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not over. It's going to come. We are going to have a kingdom, right? And then if you skip down a little bit, verses 4 through 6, we see that anticipation. In verses 4 through 6, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, that will be the Holy Spirit, which he said, You have heard from me, John chapter 14 and 15, For truly, uh, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay. So, what are they thinking about? The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, and the kingdom, right? When is the kingdom going to be restored? Right? Uh, note that uh, they knew that the kingdom will be restored. The Lord Jesus told them. They had no doubt about it. They knew who will restore the kingdom, that it will be the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question that they didn't know, the thing that was in their mind was, when is this going to happen? Is this going to happen nine days, ten days from now? You told us to wait. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you know, is this the time that you are going to restore the kingdom? Now, they had good reasons to think about that because in Joel chapter 2, verse 8, the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit was associated with the reigning of the Messiah. So they're thinking about that. Huh? Yeah, it, it's going to have to be on this day because we know that you spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the great events that are going to happen. And so you're going to have to restore the kingdom. So that's what I said, at that time, at what time? And notice that they were expecting an earthly kingdom. Not a spiritual kingdom, but an earthly kingdom. A real kingdom with a real land, with a real king in place here on earth. But to their uh, surprise, the Lord will not uh, uh, answer their question. Uh, the one thing that is interesting here for them is, that, and they ask him, they ask him, the tense of the verb, they ask him in the Greek is, is in the, what is, they call it imperfect. It means there's something in the past, and the idea is they, they were continually asking. They didn't say, Lord, is it at this time? But think about, you know, I'm going to go on vacation. Right uh, after the service, we're going to go to camp, and uh, I take Aurora. Aurora is not going to be asking that, but you're being in trips with your kids, right? And what are your kids asking you when you're going on a long trip? Are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? You know. And how many times do they ask? A lot of times, right? So that's what the apostles were doing here with the Lord Jesus Christ. They were asking. Is this going to be the time? Is this going to be the time? Is this going to be the time? By the way, is this going to be the time? When are you going to do it? Is this going to be the time? 
So they were continually asking about the kingdom. They wanted this kingdom to be in place. They've been looking forward to it. Uh, it was the hope of the nation of Israel. They've been with the Lord Jesus Christ for three years. The message of the kingdom was central. Okay? And the Lord had been crucified and they had lost their hopes of the kingdom. And all the sudden the Lord is resurrected and he brings the theme of the kingdom again. And they are excited. I'm not sure if they weren't still thinking about, well, I want to be the greatest one. I just want to know who the greatest one is. <laughs> I just want to know where I'm going to sit. <laughs> I'm not sure they were thinking on those terms at this point. But obviously they were thinking about the kingdom. And they were excited. And they were anticipated. And they wanted to know when. When, Lord, is this going to happen? I just can't wait. I'm so excited about it. And then the Lord calms them down a little. He said, well, guys, it's not in God's plan for you to know. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. It's not for you to know what God has prepared. In other words, I have something else for you. And he's going to tell them what it is. And I don't want you to be thinking about the timing of the kingdom. And that be consuming or that be distracting to what I want you to do. I have something to you. The kingdom is going to be postponed. You don't know when it's going to come. Okay? God has not revealed to you the answer. He doesn't know, want you to know the answer. So don't be concerned about the kingdom. Don't be concerned about the timing of the kingdom, right? Yeah, keep the kingdom in mind, but don't be concerned about the coming of the kingdom. I find it easy, uh, not easy, curious, right, that there are people today that keep on trying to publish and make cases for when the Lord is going to return, right? I mean, the Lord says it's not for you to know. So whatever math are they going to do <laughs> is going to be wrong, Right? Because God says, you are not going to know. You can look forward to it. You can anticipate it. But I have something else for you. And do not be distracted with the timing of the kingdom. Uh, you know, there is, uh, it says here, the times of seasons refer to the future events. Okay? There is, when is the rapture going to happen? I don't know. When God and Mega are going to happen? I don't know. Uh, but I shouldn't have my brain being consumed by these thoughts trying to figure this out and not do what the Lord put on the disciples, right? And that's what we are going to hit. So Jesus told them that the timing of the establishment of the kingdom was not for them to know. He did it in a gentle way. He said, ah, none of your business. <laughs> okay. Note that Jesus did not say that he didn't know, but he said that God did not want them to know. Okay, so maybe he knew. Uh, as God, actually, before the, re before the resurrection, he probably was limited, but now he probably has the full knowledge, you know, where those things are, are going to be. So God did not want them to be preoccupied with the timing of the kingdom. Why? Because he had other plans for them. He had other plans for them. 
And what is the plan that God has for the disciples? Well, the plan that God has for the disciple is later on revealed in terminology. It's called the church. God has the church in mind. Okay? So he tells them, not using the word church, but you remember them in Matthew 16, he says that he will, be, he will build his church upon this rock, upon this truth, right? I will build my church. So you know what happens now? The Lord Jesus Christ is going to start the building process. And the apostles and the disciples are going to be fundamental, right, to this new project of the Lord, right? The building of the church. And then we'll look a little bit into Acts 2 in just a, just a little bit. So the apostles will be instrumental to the initiation and establishment of God's plan. Don't be concerned about the timing of the kingdom. I got something else for you. I'll say it again. Don't be concerned about the timing of the kingdom. I have something else for you. God has a new plan. And what I'm going to do now is just look at four elements of this plan that God has. Okay? Look at uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 as we follow through. So it is now for you to know about the timing of this. But in contrast, don't worry about that. This is what you need to worry about. But I have a plan. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses, or you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay. So God has a new plan. And he's going to tell, he tells his disciples, right, the apostles, the Lord Jesus Christ tells them that for this plan, they're going to need Holy Spirit power. Huh? They're going to need Holy Spirit power. In order to execute this plan, the apostles will need power. But not just any power. Okay? They will need supernatural power. The source of such supernatural power will be God, the Holy Spirit. And just to clarify, the word power here is the word that uh, is dynamos. Uh, uh, in, the, in the English, we get the word dynamo. We get the word dynamite for that. So it's that explosive power, right? And it's that power that was demonstrated in the resurrection. It's the power that is demonstrated in the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the, the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. The plan will not be carried out by human wisdom. The plan will not be carried out by human skills. The plan will not be carried out by the level of education that people have. The plan will not be carried out because of the talents that people will have. The plan will be carried out by the power of God. And you shall receive power. Right? God is going to empower these people. Well, why would they need this power? Well, they will need this power, one, because we know that Jesus will depart. He will leave them. And so they say, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send the helper, right? He need, they need the power, this Holy Spirit power, because the word will be massive. And last, 
Jesus indicated that he will build his church. So they needed God's power to do God's work. And God is going to enable them, he's going to empower them through the Holy Spirit so that they can execute this plan that God wants them to execute. Jesus will leave them behind, but he will not leave them alone. The Holy Spirit will be their power. Okay? Uh, this work, again, will be beyond their own abilities, capabilities, strength. It will require God's power. Right? And in 2 Timothy 1.7, you, you know this verse, For God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but the spirit of power and love and discipline. So for us believers, for us people, right, when does the power come? When does the Holy Spirit come? In Ephesians 1.13, it tells us that after a person hears the word, hears the gospel, and they respond to the gospel, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. When I put my faith in trust, uh, my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, something supernatural happens to me and to all of those who Put their trust in Jesus. What is that? That we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have been endowed with God's power. That's quite a statement that God is doing. That's quite a work that God is doing. To say, you have my Holy Spirit power. The power, resurrection power. The power of the gospel, right? That gives life, new life, to all those who believe. So the first thing that I wanted us to note in this plan of God was that the people would need Holy Spirit power to carry on this work because it's the building of God's church. Jesus is doing the building. He's giving us the power, right? He's doing the work through us, but His power He does. And then He says uh, that in verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, right? Now, for what purpose? You know, for what purpose? You know, the, the title of the message is left behind on purpose for a purpose, right? So what is the purpose? And it says in verse 8, say, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Okay. So God gives us all this power right, for a single Purpose for a specific purpose. God endows us with the believers for the Holy Spirit for a single purpose, for a focus, for a focus purpose. We could say that, and that's that they will be their witnesses. Now, the word witness here is one who testify. Interestingly, in the in the English, we get the word martyr. The word the the Greek word is the the word that we get martyr. You know, in the English, or witness or testimony. Okay. So the Holy Spirit was sent with the express purpose to testify of Jesus. Right? So in John 15, 26, it says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify, he will witness of me. So the question I asked myself was, what does the Holy Spirit want to do? I think he wants to talk about Jesus. God's Holy Spirit wants to talk about Jesus. He will testify of me. Okay. 
he will witness of me. He will tell about me. And then in John, the next verse, says, uh, the next verse in John 15, 27 says, And you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So now he talks to the disciples, to the apostles, and says, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to speak. He's going to speak through you because you, will be with, you know the facts. You have been with me from the beginning. So you know the facts, but what you lack is power. <laughs> and the power is going to be there when the Holy Spirit comes. And he wants to talk about me. So open your mouth. Okay? Open your mouth. Because that Holy Spirit will not say anything if I keep my mouth shut. Right? So the Holy Spirit wants to testify about the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be witness of me. That's kind of an interesting phrase too. Because it doesn't say this is what you should do. It says this is what you should be. Not this is what you should do. But this is what you should be. So to be a witness for Jesus is more than a task. It just identifies and defines who we are. Vince, what are you? I'm a witness for Jesus. This lay heavy on me, <laughs> right? It's not because I'm, I'm enjoying doing evangelism. I like to talk to people. But sometimes I think, you know, well, I don't have the time. This is the wrong opportunity. You know, I'm a, we, are, we are witnesses. We don't do witnessing. We are witnesses all the time. So sharing with people is part of being a witness, right? But that's what God tasks us to be, his witness, right? His witness. Um, yeah, it defines the person. It defines those who are in Christ. You know, we, not all people are evangelists, but we all are witnesses if we have put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So if I'm a witness, what, what do I need to tell? What, is, what do this disciple need to be telling the world. Well, they need to be telling about the resurrection of Jesus. And then if you go through the gospel to the book of Acts, we see that they talked about, they talked about the Lord Jesus. They preached about Jesus. They preached the word. They preached the gospel. They preached the good news of the kingdom of God. And they preached repentance. Those are all things that we find together in the, in, in the uh, book of Acts. And why the resurrection? Well, the resurrection is what validates in a the case, the Lord Jesus Christ. I like apologetics, but for me, the greatest apologetics is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? I don't mind apologetics. I study them, I read them, I enjoy that. But the one, one that I like the best is, well, why do you say that? Well, the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. I like the apologetics of the scriptures. <laughs> right? A few days ago, I'll tell you a little story. We were talking at work. People were talking about the decision of Roe versus Wade. And this and that. And, and so there are two, two guys there discussing this. They are discussing right behind me when life began. Guess what Vince did? Oops. <laughs> I got a Bible answer. Okay. Psalm 51.5 says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Whoops. If I'm a sinner from conception, I have to be a human being. I have to be a person. Right? You know what? They may disagree with that, but nobody says anything. Because when God speaks, people are quiet. <laughs> well, 
the world has a force, a power of its own. Okay, so anyway, so they are uh, to teach those things. And they are his witnesses. You will testify on me. Uh, and, you know, we at times miss the point when we try to testify our Jesus because it's less stressful, it's less scary to talk about church, to invite people to church. It's, it's less scary to say, well, we got a great pastor. Or we have really, really good children's and teenage programs. Oh, man, you ought to come to our church because we have great programs. Man, we're missing the point. <laughs> man, we're missing the point. Okay? Our focus, the focus of the apostles, ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Now, we can use those things, of course, to get to the gospel, right? Let's say somebody comes to you. Hey, no, this is a good, uh, this is a good example here. We got a long weekend. And so you're going to get back to work or to somebody on Tuesday. And somebody's going to ask you, did you do any fun thing for the 4th of July? Or did you do any fun thing this weekend? And uh, you're going to say, no, nah, I got together with my family. Well, they can ask you about any weekend, right? But how about that? The answer says, yeah, I did something great. I went to church. Uh, by the way, do you go to church? What do you think about Jesus? Have you made plans for eternity? Right? That's that. So, so that's perhaps when, when we are asked by a person. Or maybe when we ask a person the same way, right? Hey, what did you do this weekend? Right? The same idea. Or you say, well, they ask me and say, well, I, I went to church. And somebody says, well, what church do you go? And then I reply, well, I go to Southview Bible Church in Council Bluff, and we have a really good pastor and good children's program. No. Okay. How about something, you know, I go to church in Southview Council Bluff, and we teach. Now, what do you teach? We teach that God is holy, holy, holy. We teach that God is righteous, that he's the creator of the universe. And we teach again that God is holy and that man is not. We teach that man is a sinner. That because of his sin, he's separated from God and he's condemned to death. We teach that he belongs in the lake of fire. And we teach that he needs to repent. And then we also teach about Jesus Christ. Who come and die on the cross for our sins. So that we can be reconciled with this holy God. That's a little longer answer. <laughs> right? And I'm giving an abbreviated response right, to that. But even that. Right? I go to this church. Don't stop there. And this is what we teach. Share the gospel. I got chicken down this weekend. I share about me a little bit. You know, I'm retiring. So people ask me what I'm going to do. So I, I tell them what I hope to do, right? And uh, I started saying, started saying, well, you know, I'm a born-again Christian. And my hope is to get involved more with the church and do some more evangelism and visit more of the people of the church, right? And uh, so that's what I've been saying. But a couple of days ago, I chickened out. So I chickened out too, guys. So, but, <laughs> 
but we are to be witnesses, right? To be telling about Jesus Christ. He is the theme. Not Southview, not the children's programs, okay? Not how great the pastor is, but our focus is a different person. Our focus is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, as I was studying this, something came to my head. It made me, okay. I did something yesterday, and I'm going to tell you why. You see, I got a haircut. I got a mole cut. <laughs> now, uh, as I was studying this passage and this idea of being a witness, one thought came to mind, and uh, my thought was, in October, it will be 41 years since I became a Christian. This October will be 41 years since I became a Christian. And my next thought was, since I became a Christian, in those 41 years as a believer, almost 41 years as a believer, how many times has anyone shared the gospel with me? In 41 years, some of you have been believers longer, perhaps some a little less. But in my case, in 41 years, how many times has anybody shared the true gospel? Not the Mormons, not the Jehovah's Witnesses, right? But the true gospel. So yesterday I went and got a haircut to tell the only person who ever shared the gospel with me, thank you. Okay. And you know who that person is, right? When I showed the last time about the barber who was a homosexual, transsexual, drug user, and drug dealer. And I said, I came here to tell you thank you because I'm studying this, and in 41 years, you're the only person who ever tried to tell me about Jesus. Wow. Well, where are the witnesses? Where are the witnesses? You know, think about it in your own life. Where are the witnesses? Anyway, let me move on. <laughs> we can only stand so much conviction. <laughs> okay, the next thing that uh, we read uh, in here in Acts that Peter tells them, or that the Lord Jesus says, you know, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit was come upon you, uh, Jesus, not Peter, is uh, what is the scope of this witness and the scope of the witnesses and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and even to the outermost parts of the earth okay and the, as we go through the book of Acts we'll see that the gospel was their first preached in Jerusalem Acts chapter 2 we'll get that for a little bit in that then it goes on to and those are chapters 1 through 7 Okay. Then he goes on to Judea and Samaria, chapters 8 to the 931. And then he picks up to the ends of the earth, 932 to the rest of the chapter. And he continues. He continues to go on to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. What that means to Vince Valente is my household my neighbors, my co-workers, right? the people that I have contact with. Okay? Those are the people that God wants me to be a witness to. Okay? That is my area of influence. That's my, my circle of associations, right? 
It starts with the one closest to me, and it expands. It expands to all those around me. Any place, any time, anywhere. Vince, we are not talking to you. I don't care, but you say something about life, and that's God's area. And I know something about it. <laughs> all right? And so, yeah, in a gentle manner, right? <laughs> but we ought to be his witnesses all over the place. Often we hear that, uh, that we witness with our lifestyle. And that's a good thing. I mean, that's a must, that our lifestyle matches our relationship with Christ, right? Otherwise, it would be hypocrisy. Maybe we are not there. But I want you to listen to this verse from the book of Acts, chapter 8. In verse 4, it says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. See that? We need to tell people. I need to tell people. Witnesses tell. Witnesses testify. Right? And that's what the Lord told his disciples. We will be my witnesses. And then the Holy Spirit comes. They don't want to move out. They get scattered by persecution. And as they go out, they are preaching. They are preaching. They are preaching Jesus. They are preaching the resurrection. Okay? They are preaching God as the Messiah. They are preaching the word. They are preaching the gospel. One thing that they are doing is they are preaching. Okay? They are telling people. They are communicating people with those around them. And then when their surroundings became comfortable, God says, you know, you're too comfortable there in Jerusalem. Let me bring a little persecution upon you guys. And now you're going to move out. <laughs> They're going to move out. So there we go. They were to tell the whole world the ends of the earth. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have an everlasting life. In Matthew 28, 19, notes that the Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations. Uh, go to everybody. Go to everybody. But begin here at home, right? Start with those around you. Uh, let me tell you something I, I do when, uh, and you may be in this situation. Uh, I haven't had this happen in a while, but... Uh, there was a time that I was getting a lot of requests for short-term short mission support. You know, young people wanting to go to a different country and go share the gospel. Okay? Go do missions work, evangelism, whatever it is. And uh, so I normally get a letter. So I will write him back. And I say, listen, I'm excited that you're going to, this is what you're thinking about doing. This is great. But I haven't seen you in a while. I want to know a little bit more about you. Okay, uh, tell me a little bit more about you. And then I said, well, would you just tell me a little bit about, give me a short statement of faith. Tell me what you believe. Okay, tell me what you believe. And tell me what you are doing now. Tell me what you're doing now. Are you being a witness now? Are you sharing the gospel with people now? If the answer is no, why do I think that this person is going to go overseas in a place with a different language and share the gospel. Huh? You know, you say, well, no. Well, now I'm working. And so are you sharing with the people at work? Are you being a witness to those around you? The answer is yes. Praise the Lord for that. I'd be glad to support that. So always ask, right, what are you doing now? <laughs> okay. Four, the fourth point on God's plan 
is the length of the plan. The length of the plan. How long is this going to go, Lord? How long do I have to be a witness, the disciples may ask. Right? And uh, so the Lord tells all this stuff and the Lord leaves. He gets caught up into heaven. And the disciples are there like, we've been left behind. You know, when is he coming back? Well, I know we got something to do. How long do I need to do this? When are you coming back, Lord? And then when we get to verse 9 through 11, it says this. Now when they have spoken this, now when he has spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him on the air, on, received him out of their sight. <laughs> and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, they're concentrated, whoa, you know, uh, almost in a trance. Uh, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Perhaps the same two guys that were at the tomb where he resurrected the two angels there. Who said, who also said, men of Galilee, why are you gazing into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him going into heaven. So what is the answer? Lord, okay, how long do I need to do this? Until I come back. Uh, until I come back. Don't worry with the timing of what that is. When is it that? When are you going to put the kingdom together? When, when are you coming back? Don't worry. You just be a witness. So he leaves them behind, empowered by the Holy Spirit, for the purpose to be his witness until he returns. Jesus has not yet returned. Means that the task continues and the task is and all the apostles die so where are the witnesses who are the witnesses right jesus had indicated that to them that he would depart and come back john 14 and until he returns those who have received the holy spirit are his witnesses just a little side note note this that uh the return of Jesus said it's going to be just like when he left. And that will be unexpectedly, visibly, and physically. Right? They were not expecting him to depart. So they're, oh, he's gone. And so it was an unexpected departure. It was a visible departure. And it was a physical uh, departure. And it was in a cloud. And in Revelation 1, 7 says, Behold, he's coming with the clouds. That, yes, that's the Lord's favorite mode of transportation. <laughs> or with the cloud. Well, maybe he's coming riding a white horse. That's it. Okay. He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierce him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. He's coming back. Okay? Until then, then we ought to be, we are witnessing. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's who we are. It's who defines us. Okay? All right, let me uh, jump a little bit because when we go to Act chapter 2, we'll see the beginning of that church. We see the beginning of God's plan. And what happens in, in Acts 2? Uh, let's look at a couple of verses here with me. In, in chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, And when the sound occurs, so the disciples are in the house, and when this sound occurs, uh, well, let me... And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, right? 
And uh, let me let me go back a little bit more. <laughs> chapter one, uh, chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house with they were, which, when they were dwelling. dwelling. And there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and sat on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as, as the Spirit gave them. Right? So the Holy Spirit comes like Jesus had promised he will ask the, the Father. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he makes his presence known. He doesn't come quietly. <laughs> he comes and he makes his presence known. It's so powerful, this coming. It's so powerful that it's noticed throughout Jerusalem. And later on, it says that the people were coming together, right? Um, verse 6, and while this sound occurred, the multitudes came together right? and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. So something is happening. This power of Holy Spirit is making noise, and the people are confused. They come together. Where are they going? Well, they're going where the, the apostles are. And as the apostles are preaching the gospel, these people say, well, what's going on here? We hear each one of us, hears these people, the message in, in their own language. So there is confusion about this. And then, uh, let me pick it up. Um, let me pick it up in verse 32 a little bit and to, to read a section there. Verse 32, it says, um, This Jesus, and this is Peter preaching to the multitude, right? It says, This Jesus God raised. Now keep in mind, okay? these are the apostles. They receive power from the Holy Spirit. And what do they start doing? Preaching. They begin to testify about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit couldn't be stopped. Okay? And it says in 32, This Jesus God raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David said, Did not ascend into heaven, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool. Your footstool. Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Powerful message that is coming from, the, from Peter. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They hear the word of God. They hear the word of God preached with power through the Holy Spirit. And it's cut into the heart. Because they are not listening to what a good person they are. Right? They are listening to the gospel and say, you killed the Messiah. But he rose from the dead. He died for your sins. Right? And so they're listening to that message, to the gospel. And they, uh, they, they need to repent. What shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent. Right? Come there. You need to come to the place of repentance, right? Repent and let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Right? So, yeah, respond to the gospel. Repent. Repent. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You crucify the Christ and the Holy Spirit. He came in. He came in loud. And he came clear, communicating what the Lord said. You will be my witnesses. And they were not hush-hush witnesses. They were loud witnesses for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, before I close, let me make a, a little clarification here on, on Acts 2.38, because sometimes it causes some confusion, and that is because of the, uh, of the English words, because of the English language, right? In 2.38, it says this, that to be baptized for the remission of sin. Okay? The word for there uh, causes a little bit of confusion, and more than confusion, sometimes it, it leads to uh, to bad theology, okay? Uh, because people may think of for as in order to. So be baptized in order that your sins may be forgiven. Okay? That's not accurate, right? In the Greek language, there are two words. One is the word uh, hena, H-A-N-I, hena. And the other is the word ace, E-I-S. And they can be both translated in the English as for. Okay? But they have different meaning. They have different meaning, right? One has the meaning that says because of. Okay? You be baptized, uh, in, you are, you're to be baptized because something happened to you. The other says you need to be baptized for something to happen to you. The one that says, for something to happen to you, is henna. So be baptized for something to happen to you, henna. Well, that's not the word there. The word there is ace, E-I-S. That says, you be baptized because something happened to you. What is that? Your sins were forgiven. So it's a testimony. And the rest of the book of Acts will bear that out. Uh, to use a, an English uh, uh, picture of the word for, let's say you go to the police department and you see a poster that says, Jason Shannon wanted for bank, for bank robbery. Okay. What is the poster saying? That they want Jason in order to commit a bank robbery? Well, it might be because he hasn't done one yet. <laughs> right? But no, the idea is that the person is wanted because they committed. Right? So when he says wanted for, it's not in order to, it's because of what they've done. Right? So I wanted to clarify that. Okay. So let me get to the end of our study here. As a summary, the kingdom was promised. And there was great excitement about the kingdom. The disciples, the apostles were all looking forward to the kingdom. But the kingdom has or was postponed. When Jesus, then Jesus ascended to heaven and he left the, the apostles and disciples, he left them behind. 
but he left them behind on purpose. And he left them behind for a purpose. He left them endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. He left them endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. He left them endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in their sphere of influence. And he left them endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in their sphere of influence until he returns. So the question to us is, what are the witnesses? What are the witnesses? May we be those people.